that, right? Uh, maybe your spouse helps you in ways, um, has strengths, and you have certain weaknesses in it, and you guys come together, and you're able to be better together. But even as brothers and sisters in Christ, we have, we have sisters here. We have siblings. We have moms. We have aunts. We have uncles. We have all kind of people so we can really mature and grow up in him. And so whether you've been a Christian for a couple weeks, a couple months, a couple days, or many, many years, uh, we always need the body of Christ. Uh, you know, imagine if, I love Tim with his anatomy analogies, imagine if I cut off my left hand, you know, and it just fell and blood started squirting. That, that wouldn't be really a good situation, you know. Um, it would not be at all. But, you know, my hand would... It would die, it would shrivel and die because there's no blood flow. But because it's connected, it can function. It could do a lot of great things. You know, it, could, it can write a, write a lesson. It could catch a football. It could, you know, give somebody a hug. You know, there's so much to it. And so that's why we really need each other. And, but today, um, you know, I'm just excited to preach from Luke chapter 7. Uh, so if you want to turn your Bibles there, you can hold your finger there, Luke 7 verse 36. But... For those of us who have been here throughout this year, you guys might know we've been talking about the gospel, right? The gospel of Jesus. Now, the gospel meaning the good news that we can have hope of eternal life forever and all of our sins can be washed away. All the sins we've done in the past, all the sins we're doing now, and all the sins we'll do in the future. I don't know about you guys, but that's good news. If you think about it, no amount of money could ever could ever get all your sins washed away and be looked at as perfect. You know, it's funny, when Jesus looks at us, those of us that are in Christ, and he sees us, he sees his son. He doesn't see us. So instead of Brandon, he sees Jesus. Instead of Cody, he sees Jesus. Instead of Jeremy, he sees Jesus. Instead of Owen, he sees Jesus. You know, instead of Chris, he sees Jesus. Instead of Jesse, he sees Jesus. And that's that's all because of the gospel, the good news. And unfortunately, we have a tendency in our society, whenever we hear something that's, whenever we hear something over and over, then we're like, oh, that's, that's old news. You know what I mean? There's new fads, there's new trends, there's new things that come in, and in style, out of style. You know, the, I don't know if you guys, anyone likes the NBA here, but they're bringing back the short shorts in the NBA, uh, which was popular in the 70s. Um, <laughs> You know, I don't, yeah, we'll leave that there, but, you know, things go in and out, right? And unfortunately, the gospel message, it, it can go in and out of our lives as well. You know, it can be something that we're fired up about when we first heard the good news. It could be something that, I mean, I remember Jeremy's baptism and looking at him just crying and like opening his heart up to God, and I'm just like, man. That's a picture that I never want to forget because that's how I want to be every day, living, living for God. You know, but after a couple years go by, it's like, man, is it still that powerful? You know, is it still that, that strong? And, you know, I, for those today, um, we're going to be talking. I want to talk about this idea of, um, of being grateful for the gospel. So the title of my sermon is, Are You Grateful for the Gospel? Um, so... In Luke chapter 7, we, we see a story here uh, about a sinful woman. And, you know, we, we see this passage, and, and in Matthew and Mark and John, there's other stories of different women 
breaking the alabaster jar and, and kind of showing love to Jesus. But this is a totally unique circumstance, a totally different situation from any other account uh, that the gospel writers wrote. But to understand and appreciate God's word and understand and appreciate Jesus and the gospel message, we kind of have to understand, okay, what was going on when we, when we read our Bible? You know, part of the reason why a lot of people don't read their Bible today is they don't think it's relatable. They don't think it's relevant. They don't know how to apply God's word to their life. And if we can get deeper into God's word and understand and use our minds a little bit more, it could really impact our heart and change the way we think about everything and change the way we we act toward others as well. So today I want us to just we're going to focus on this passage and we're going to go through it methodically uh, as as things come up, but I want to encourage you guys to, to take yourself out of the United States for a minute. You know, take yourself out of 2018, the uh, United States of America, and pretend that you were living when Jesus actually walked on this earth. Just imagine what you would say if you saw Jesus walking right outside the wish camp. You know, imagine that he, uh, he was more, more polarizing than any f- popular figure today, and that he was literally the son of God, who he said he was. You know, imagine you were able to talk to him. Imagine you were able to pray with him. Imagine you were able to share a meal with him. You know, imagine he was part of, part of our congregation. That would be crazy. Um, I think that would be wild. I don't even, yeah, I don't even know what to think about that. But just imagine that Jesus was somebody you could physically see. You know, now, because he's in heaven right now, but imagine you were still there. So with that being said, in, uh, in Luke 7, verse 36, we're going we're gonna to jump in and we're going to kind of look at this interaction that Jesus has with this Pharisee named Simon and also with this other woman known as the sinful woman. But, you know, it's important to understand that, that in that time, that culture 2,000 years ago in Galilee, where this allegedly took place, hospitality was huge. Hospitality was so incredible, you know, like it was just a part of their culture, you know, greeting people with a holy kiss when they entered the door. That was what you did, you know, uh, just showing love to people, being a servant to them. Like that was, if you didn't do that, you were, you were cold in a sense. It's totally different than New England, isn't it? It's totally different. If someone came up to you and kissed you as they saw you park outside their house, and you'd be like, what is going on? Like it's, strange um but amen you know we'll see but you know i've i've been i grew i was fortunate to grow up in florida and um i've experienced a different culture down there and uh people would greet each other with a kiss all the time and it wasn't weird and up here it's a little bit different um so you know the culture is key culture is everything uh but we got to understand what was the biblical culture and so simon uh it he, he hears of this guy, Jesus, he, he invites him into his house, and they have this interaction, and let's see more and more about what's going on here. So in Luke 7, verse 36, um, the Bible reads, one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, which was pretty customary. He went to the Pharisee's house, and he reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume, and as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, 
She began to wet his feet with her tears, and then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. You know, we're just going to stop right there. What a scene. Like, just, I'm just trying to imagine looking at Jesus from across the room, a woman coming up to her, crying, sobbing, wetting his feet with her tears, wiping them with her hair, and just showing this incredible love to Jesus. That, that would have been something you would have noticed if you were in a room. It would have been something that was like, wow, what is, what is going on here? You know, and, and different people probably thought different things. You know, Jesus thought one thing. The Simon the Pharisee was probably thinking another thing. The other people around at Simon's house were probably like, what in the world is going on? She's a sinful woman. You know, like, why is Jesus associating? I thought he was holy. You know, and so it's interesting but as we put the puzzle pieces together, I love that the Bible doesn't give us all the answers to everything because it wants us to trust its word and figure out what's the most important thing to hold to. You know, uh, we had an all New England devotional on Friday night in Boston where we met up with other campus ministries from all over New England. It was really refreshing. But one of the things we talked about was evidence and faith and how as a Christian, we, we have faith in God, but we also have a ton of evidence in God. You know, and how everything in life requires evidence and faith. Now, you don't need a whole lot of faith to know when some, like if, for instance, my name is Brandon. Like, it doesn't take me a lot of faith to believe that. I just believe it, you know. Or that that blue thing right there is a chair. I just kind of believe that. But if I didn't see anything right there and I said that blue thing is a chair, you'd be like, wait, what is he looking at? Like, you need a little evidence, you know. It's, but... With Christianity, just like anything else, there's faith and there's evidence. And I encourage you, if, you're, if you come from a skeptical background or if, you're, if that's something that you wrestle with more, definitely we could talk after service. I'd love to uh, just share with you some resources and some studies I've done on that. But to stick back to the gospel and Jesus' interaction here with Simon and the sinful woman, you know, I just wanted to, to kind of paint this picture and imagine, you know, what do you think Simon is thinking you know, when he sees this woman come to Jesus and just weeping, bawling at her feet, what, what do you think is going through Simon's mind? You know, this guy was a Pharisee. He was probably a part of the Jewish ruling council of that area. And he invited Jesus to come over for dinner thinking, oh, maybe he's, a, he's the, this anointed prophet that people say he is. But he's never met Jesus really before this. You know, he's probably trying to test him. You know, trying to see, okay, are you really who you say you are? Are you really this guy who, who can raise the dead and can prophesy? And Are you really the one that they're talking about? Because if you were, then you would obey all the law. You'd be the best Jew of all Jews, right? That's, that's probably, it could be what this guy Simon was thinking. Who are you really, Jesus? You know, and so he, he gathers a view about who Jesus is as he watches him at dinner at his house. And um, it's funny because it says he reclined at the table. Um, it's interesting. It didn't say he sat at the table, you know. And it's funny. It's just so different culturally, contextually. They would have shorter tables, cushions they would recline on. And, you know, their one arm would be on the floor, uh, and then another arm would be up to kind of 
feed themselves. I'm not going to recline right now. Um, I don't have a cushion. If I had a cushion, maybe I would have. Um, but they're like kind of like this. Their feet are sticking out, and they're eating. You know, it's like be comfortable, relax, you know, and kind of it was a, a lower level. Um, and so now as we're understanding what's going on, it's not so weird to imagine a woman coming in and weeping at Jesus' feet. But if you think about it, too, it's like, man, how did a woman get in his house? Like, doesn't he have doors in his house, you know, to kind of keep the, the structure and the cold out, and the, you know? But in that time, in the Middle East 2,000 years ago, a lot of the houses had patios and open areas that were open to, you know, outside. And so it could have been easily for anyone to kind of come in and be like, what, what is this guy saying? You know, what can I glean from Jesus' wisdom, you know, at this dinner party? You know, and so, so she just found her way in. She was obviously seeking, you know. She had probably heard Jesus preaching, you know, um, in that town, and then he comes to dinner that night. And so if you can kind of put the puzzle pieces together, it'll help us really see the, the reality of what's going on. Because this is not just a sinful woman in Jesus and this guy Simon. This is really one of the greatest love stories you'll read in the entire Bible. And so let's continue to see what happens. Now, if we go down in verse 39, it says, When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man, meaning Jesus, were a prophet, he would know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is, and that she is a sinner. Uh, I just want to let that one sink in, you know. Have you guys ever judged somebody based off their appearance before? Never. Never. <laughs> Justin, let's talk, bro. I want to I learn from you, bro. Bro, I, I got to learn from you. I want to sit at your feet, bro, and, and learn. <laughs> okay, sounds good. But, you know, you, we can judge people so easily, right? By what they wear, how they act, what their job is, you know. I'm I'm kind of in that I'm just turned I'm 26 and I kind of am in that millennial stage where you're supposed to be an adult and you graduate from college and you're supposed to find your career and all these societal expectations that people put on you. Uh, and it's interesting how we can do that to others. You know, we can we can kind of label, we can kind of be like, oh, he looks a little scruffy. I don't know if I could trust that guy, you know. But the cool thing is Jesus looks at our heart. You know what I mean? He, he doesn't see the outward. He doesn't see our, our past mistakes. He looks beyond that. And I'm just so grateful for that because I know for me personally, I wouldn't be here if, if God was like, oh, you blew it. You know, good luck somewhere else, but I'm not going to forgive you. But, but that's not how Jesus is. You know, he, he looks at the heart. And so, but this woman... Who knows what she was? It says a sinner. It could have been an adulterer, a prostitute, somebody who probably wasn't known for the best thing. But it's funny how they label her a sinner, but then we see what Jesus calls her a little bit later. Let's continue reading. It says, Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. Two people owed money to a certain money lender. And one owed him 500 denarii, the other 50. Uh, neither of them had the money to pay him back. 
so he forgave the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? It's interesting, as we read that, it's like another parable, right? Jesus loves parables. He loves illustrations. But imagine what Simon's thinking. He's probably a, a pretty intelligible, intellectual guy. He's probably like, dude, why is Jesus asking me this parable? I'm, I'm Israel's teacher. Like, I'm somebody who should be, you know, teaching others. This is so easy. Like, you know, 500 denarii versus 50 denarii. Like, two months wages versus three years wages. If, if you were forgiven, who would love him more? Well, what, is, what does he say? He's like, well, Simon replied in verse 43, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt forgiven. You have judged correctly, Jesus said. No, Jesus always had a purpose for why he spoke. He always had a purpose for every question he asked, every interaction, and he knew the heart and mind of others. That's why if Jesus was in our church today, that would be fired up. I'd be like, hey, Jesus, what, what's, what am I thinking? How am I feeling? I, I don't even understand how I feel sometimes. Come, like, can I have tea time with you? Like, can we go grab lunch? You know, and that would be awesome because he knows everything. He had the authority to forgive sins while he walked the earth. I would love to be with Jesus. I would just be like following him everywhere. I'd be like, can I sleep, you know, next to you? Like, you're, you're my best friend. But if you think about it, he knew Simon's heart. He understood that Simon was thinking what he was thinking. And Simon made a judgment on the woman, right? Simon was like, she's a sinner. But he was also kind of judging Jesus a little bit. This guy can't be a prophet. This guy, he can't be, he, he's associating with the sinner. So he, there must be something off with Jesus. And Jesus immediately, it's funny, he brings him to school a little bit, you know. Um, and Simon falls right into his trap. He says, I suppose the one who, whose bigger debt was forgiven, you know. And he said, you judged correctly. And it's interesting because as we go through this passage, sometimes we could be Simon. You know, we could be the one that thinks we know better than Jesus. You know, we could be the one that thinks that I've got this whole Christian thing figured out. I know how to read my Bible. I know how to pray. I know how to share my faith. But the reality is, what are we doing about it? You know, um, and that's what we're going to look at here in the next section. But I have two points to the sermon, and one is, how do you view Jesus? That's my first point. And if you think about it, how we view Jesus radically changes how we live our life. If we view Jesus as a great teacher, some guy who uh, did incredible things 2,000 years ago, uh, but some guy that I'll never really know because I can't really touch him or see him, our life is going to reflect that. We're going to live mediocre. <laughs> We're going to live lukewarm. But if, but if we view Jesus differently, if we view him as my savior, that changes how we live our life. Because if you've been saved from something, you know, say you fall off a building and, you know, Superman swoops down and saves whoever fell, right? Obviously, maybe Superman's not real. Hopefully, there's no kids here. Um, but, but if somebody jumped in front of a bullet for you, and they went to the hospital, and they went through a lot of pain, and they lived. How would you treat that person? 
would you treat them with, like, oh, thanks, man, I'll catch you later? Or would you say, oh, thanks for coming over? Or would you just, like, be eternally grateful every time you saw them? Would you give them the shirt off your back? Would you give them your most expensive possession? You know, that's, that's how we got to view Jesus is, man, I'm so grateful because without you, man, I'm, I have nothing. I, I, would, I would be dead, you know? And I think gratitude overflowing with thanksgiving. That's, that's how we should see Jesus as we'll look. That's how this woman viewed him. But familiar, somebody that we already know, somebody that we're supposed to follow, that's, that's going to keep us from growing. That's going to keep us from, from feeling connected to Jesus on a heart level. Uh, because knowledge is one thing, but, but heart is, is, a, is a totally different situation. And Simon was probably smarter than this woman. But we, as we see as the story unfolds, this woman is, is who we ought to be like. You know, um, you know it's funny because... I, I mentioned I was studying the Bible with Josh Petruzzi yesterday, but um, when, I'll, I'll never forget when I first heard the gospel. I was 15 years old. Um, I studied the Bible. I repented of all my sins. I got baptized. And I wasn't perfect after that. I still made mistakes. But I strived for perfection. I strived to live a life that was pleasing to God. And one thing I, I would do is um, we would study the Bible with other teenagers in, in the high school ministry. It was awesome. And I remember studying the Bible with one of my friends. His name was TJ. And uh, we studied the Bible. TJ was a great friend. We grew up playing football, basketball, every sport you could think of. And, um, but he was a little bit more athletic than me. So I always liked to go against him because he always pushed me. He always challenged me. And, um, and he hadn't, followed, he hadn't uh, become a Christian yet. And so we were, we were studying the Bible to see if he wanted to become a Christian. And uh, TJ was super talented with sports. And uh, one of the things that he... Uh, He's actually a professional golfer right now, and one of the things that he had to, we talked about is, if you follow Jesus, you have to be willing to give up everything to follow him, as Luke 14 says. And he was like, mm, so does that mean I, like, I have to be willing to give up being the best golfer? Like, you don't have to give that up, but you got to view Jesus as greater than that. You have to be willing to. And I remember his face kind of just went sad. His face just was like... Oh, man. And I remember after that study, we didn't really study a whole lot. You know, his, his uh, contact with me grew less and less. And as I think about it, it was, man, his heart was in his talents. His heart was in what he could do. His heart was in, and his hope was in his future, rather than giving that and trusting God with his future. You know, and I think sometimes, you know, as I think about my life or as I think about just, you know, where I want to be, I realized that I can't get there without Jesus, you know. I, I saw my need for Jesus. My friend TJ, he, he didn't really see his need for Jesus because his, his abilities were they, were, they were good, you know. They were, they were, he was talented, and he forgot who gave him those abilities. You know, he forgot to see Jesus as the giver of the gift instead of just some... But he saw him as irrelevant. And it was just heartbreaking. But, you know, as I think about it, I don't want to see Jesus as this guy that, you know, kind of complements my life. I don't want to see him that way. Because 
the moment I see him like that is the moment that my he becomes an extra. He becomes like a little side, like ketchup or mustard. It's like I want him to be the meat of my life. I want him to be the substance. And the only way I could do that is by viewing him as somebody who can who has saved me. You know, and it's so different how Simon views Jesus and to how this woman views Jesus. You know, think about this woman. She's probably broke. She's probably hurting. She's probably a disgrace to society. And Jesus is probably her only hope. Is that how we view Jesus today, as our only hope? That even though our jobs are good and they financially support us, they don't mean anything in light of eternity. You know, like, even though the food that we might eat today is good for today, it's give us that, sus- that sustenance and that strength that we need, in light of eternity, food doesn't mean much. You know, because it'll spoil, it'll perish, it'll fade. But Jesus lasts forever. The gospel, the promise in the gospel is that we can live forever. That's how I want to view Jesus as wow. I want to spend time with him. You know, and the good news is we can. You know, it's, we can pray. We can talk about him. We can live like him. You know, and, and let's see what, what Jesus says when he turns towards Simon and says, and he kind of brings, he kind of brings it home and makes it personal uh, after he gives this incredible parable. But in verse 44, Jesus, it says here that he then turned toward the woman and said to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house and you did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and has wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, But this woman, from the time I entered, has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love was shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. You know, and my second point is, how, how do you show your love to Jesus? How are you showing your love to Jesus? You know, it's, this passage is it, it's so convicting because if I think about it, am I loving Jesus the way this woman did on a daily basis? <clears throat> am, I, am I expressing that love? Am I putting into action his teaching? Because obedience is to obey Jesus. You know, if, and that's my second point. How, how are we showing our love to Jesus? I think about, you know, the woman here and, man, you know, he, it's funny. She had nothing, but because of Jesus, she ended up having everything. And, you know, it, it says here that, in verse 47, I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven as her great love was shown. But whoever has been forgiven little loves little. So remember in the beginning I was talking about how fired up we can be sometimes. You know, if you drink coffee, you get a little, a little spike of energy, um, a little caffeine in you. But, or maybe the first time you heard the gospel, you were like, wow, I can't believe I'm the person that, that Jesus died for and was willing to 
to let me go free like he did Barabbas, you know? And it was fresh at once, but guess what happens? Day after day, we live in a world that where Satan's attacking us. He's discouraging us. He's trying to separate us. He's trying to take us out one by one. And so that love can grow weak. It can grow cold unless we're constantly adding firewood to, the, to that fire. Unless we're constantly stoking it. We're constantly refueling it. And so it's crazy because if we are feeling a little dull, if we're feeling a little like distant from Jesus, if we're, it could be because we're not viewing him the right way. You know, we're not viewing him as savior. We're viewing him as, you know, this guy that I read about in the Bible. You know, or it could be that we've forgotten how much he's forgiven us. You know, I, I remember Glenn talking a little bit last week about, you know, every day just remembering how, how dirty and filthful, filthy and, and worthless, in a sense, we should be without Jesus. You know, our um, Paul, he considered himself the worst of sinners, right? He considered himself, I don't even deserve to be an apostle. I don't even deserve to be a part of God's family because he knew how much he had hurt God with his sin. If you think about this woman, does she even deserve to be in that house? You know, does she deserve to be sitting at the feet of the Messiah? Well, in the world's view, she didn't. Simon didn't think she belonged there. The other people probably didn't. But Jesus was like, I'm so glad you're here right now. I'm so glad you came to me. And if you think about it, every day, if we, if we remember how dirty we are because of our sin, like that'll draw us to Jesus. It shouldn't discourage us because everybody's fallen short. Everybody's missed the mark. Everybody needs a savior. But it should encourage us to be like, man, let me go get with Jesus. Let me go get filled up with him. Let me go show him how much I love him because I know it pleases him. Man, Jesus was so happy that this woman was humble, was grateful, was, and wasn't ashamed to show her love in front of all these people to Jesus. That's what God wants us to do every day. Whether it's we're, we're going out and we're, we're helping those in need, or maybe we're sharing our faith, or maybe we're having a tough conversation with our boss about why we're not going to lower our convictions and cheat or deceive somebody else. Whatever it is, you know, it's been, I'm doing this, this is how I'm showing Jesus my love right now. I'm trying to please God. You know, in in 2 Corinthians, I'm not going to read there for the sake of time, but Paul says he makes it his goal to please God in everything, everything he did. And I think about this, like, it's hard to want to please someone that I don't really love. You know, if I don't love, you know, for instance, I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a diehard Patriots fan. Um, I've been since I was born in 1991. Or, no, I'm sorry, since I was eight years old when I first watched a football game. I remember when I was one, I was probably watching football, but I had no idea what was going on. So I, I can't claim that. Um, yeah, I, I, was, I think I was eight when I first saw my first football game. And I remember it was, uh, the, it was the Titans versus the St. Louis Rams, back with the greatest show on turf, if anyone knows what I'm talking about. Um, uh, Derek Mason was one yard short of the goal line, but if that's over everyone's head, that's okay. Um, it was a while ago. It was a while ago. Um, but that was the first game I ever saw, and I'll never forget, I just fell in love with the game of football. I was like, whoa. I saw all these flashing lights. I saw all these big guys. I saw all these credible skills. I was like, whoa, what's that? 
And from that time on, football has never been hard to play, to, to watch. To, it's, it's just been kind of been a part of me. And I think about it now, and I'm like, man, is Jesus still that, is he a part of me in that, that same way? You know, or is that flame kind of grown dim, you know? I'm going to share a quick story before I wrap up. But uh, when I was, in, I was in high school, I did a thing called a Hope Youth Corps. Uh, I don't know if you guys ever heard of Hope Worldwide, but it's, a, it's an organization that helps people all over the world. Uh, it stands for Helping Other People Everywhere. And um, I got to go to Baltimore and to the inner city and mentor a couple kids. And one of my mentees' name was Richard Howard. I'll never forget his name. But we, would, we spent every day together for two weeks. He was probably like this tall. Uh, he was like a little third grader, but he was shorter uh, than his, you know, that he was supposed to be. So he looked a lot smaller. But he was just the best little kid ever. I remember we would play sports. I would teach him math and science and reading. And we would go shoot rockets. We made a, a science fair project. And we just did all this cool stuff. And at the end of the two weeks, I had to go. I didn't want to go. You know, I... I I didn't want to leave him because I remember sharing my faith with him as an eight-year-old. Um, and I was just like, you might be a little too young now, but one day you got to choose Jesus because you're going to have a choice. And I, I remember not even caring what the, the directors were saying about not getting too close and, and showing love to the kids like that. But I wanted, to show, I wanted to share with him Jesus. And I remember, you know, at the end, I was just like, man, I, I said goodbye. If I didn't want to say goodbye... But um, I'll never forget, I, I went, I, afterward, I went to the bathroom. I just started crying so hard. I couldn't, I couldn't get out of the bathroom for like an hour because my, I, I just couldn't be around people because I was so sad that I was never going to see this little kid again. I didn't know if I was or not. He didn't have a phone. He didn't have a contact info. But then the crazy thing is two years later, I somehow got a hold of him. And um, I, I had a chance to see him again. And so when I got a hold of him, I figured it out. I, I caught a flight to Baltimore. I just went, and I went to his house. And he was living in the, the projects uh, in downtown Baltimore, not too far from where the Ravens play. And it was a really, it was like a gang-ridden neighborhood, a lot of bad stuff going on. There were, they think they told me there was, a, there was a killing, like, the week before I got there. So I was kind of like, I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what's going to happen, but I got to see this little boy. Uh, and I remember going to his house and um, seeing him, and I saw I met his parents, and um, I just like I just cried when I saw him because he had a special place in my heart, and um, and I didn't really have anything. I didn't know if I was gonna keep up with him, and he had grown up a little bit more. Uh, he was telling me how school was and and stuff, and I was just wishing I could be there to like guide him uh, into into a spiritual lifestyle, but I couldn't. Uh, but we, I remember praying with him, and then I didn't have anything, so I gave him my jacket. Um, it was my, uh, it was a jacket I got from my school. Uh, it was probably like a hundred dollar jacket, and I just gave it to him because I was like, here, just remember me. If I never, if I never see you again, just, just take this. And, you know, I know it doesn't measure up, but, you know, in the same way, it's like, when we think about Jesus, it's like, are we really, are we gonna give him? Our all. Are we going to give him our best? Are we going to show him love in a physical way? Because if you think about it, we love other people, right? We love our spouse. We love our children. We love our brothers and sisters. But, like, let's give it all to Jesus. I don't know how much this 
this alabaster jar of perfume cost, but I know it wasn't cheap. I know it was probably very expensive. But if you think about it, she was willing to give, give him the best. And we got to be willing to do that. We got to be willing to, to come together and remind each other about how, just about how, how, we, how are we giving all of our, of what God has given to us, how are we giving it back? You know, maybe it's by doing stuff that's uncomfortable. It's okay, just do it, because Jesus went to the cross for you, you know? And as I, as I, wanna, as I close, you know, whether you're seeking God today or, or you're a follower of Jesus, you know, and you need to be encouraged and reminded, I want to encourage you guys that, you know, think of this woman not as some Bible story that you hear when you're a kid or something like that, but think of this woman as, am I like this woman? Because Jesus said her sins are forgiven, and verse 50 says, your faith is saved, you go in peace. You know, how can we show Jesus our love this week? I want you guys to meditate on that. Because oftentimes we can read, we can pray, but what are we doing to show Jesus we love him? You know, and, and let that be intentional. Let's talk about that in our small groups. Let's talk about that, you know, this week and really show God how much we love him. So with that, I want to encourage us to just we'll say a short prayer, but I want us to really not let these words kind of go in and out of our ears today and really um, find a practical, tangible way that we can give everything for Jesus just like this woman did. So let's pray.